Welcome to the Daniel Artest Podcast. And today I'm here with William Gates, one of the two major players from the documentary Hoop Dreams, which came out over 25 years ago in 1994. And we're just going to get right into it, man. William, how you doing during this pandemic? How's the family? Man, doing good, man. You know, we try to stay safe like everybody else, man. Trying to find po- protocol, you know, wearing a mask, making sure we're keeping that distance. Uh, uh, but outside of that, man, family's doing good. Wife's doing good, kids are doing well. You know, just, just, just trying to, you know, do our part. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I agree. I agree. Me too. I'm just staying out the way, doing this podcast and thing, and, and it's picking up. You know, just try to give everybody their flowers, people that I appreciate. And that's why we're here today, because I'm giving everybody their flowers. You know, people wait to the end to give out the flowers. So I decided to, hey, let me just reach out to the people that inspired me along my journey and, and, and talk to them and have a conversation. Well, I appreciate that, man. Thank you. Yes, Thank sir. you for the flowers. Absolutely. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So it's been over 25 years since the movie came out like how how did you feel about the message it sent back then and do you feel like that message is still strong today i think i think that's what's interesting about this movie it's it's in my opinion it's a timeless classic mm-hmm. and the reason i say that is because it uh, the elements that govern the movie in terms of family race culture uh, the game of basketball those things still exist. I mean, they're just, the faces have changed, but yes. the elements that make up Hoop Dreams, it's, it still exists. I mean, that has, it's, I think that that element will always remain. It's hard to deny uh, the backbone of what made the movie so great. For me, the message that it gave me that, you know, regardless of where you come from, because I come from the inner city like you, you know, just, just, you know, keep striving, keep striving for your dreams and everything and never give up and never give in. And that's the message that I got back then. And that's the message that I got now. You know, um, I used, I used to, I used to, you know, play basketball, like, you know, very hard and everything, you know, with my brother, uh, Meta, you know, growing up and everything. We just like pretty much like, I just feel like it was just parallel seeing what, what y'all was going through during that side and everything in the, in the, the, um, the motivation to play, then the demotivation not to play anymore and everything. So you, it, it, I feel like, you know, I was William, you know what I'm saying? I felt like, you know, I was Arthur with the family turmoil on his side, you know? So yeah, man, like it was, that message is definitely strong. So speaking of Chicago, tell me about <laughs> playing in Chicago in that inner city because you're from Cabrini Green in your youth days. Yeah, man. So tell us about it. Absolutely. First of all, man, like you said, being from Cabrini, hometown man um of course cabrini is not like it used to be you know they came in the neighborhood has been gentrified now but one of the things that uh i will always say and and it holds very special dear place in my heart is that man cabrini made me the athlete that i became i remember man watching the guys up on we have very similar court like you guys have you know uh you got the ruckus we have this place called chicago avenue and on we called it the avenue and man, they had the same type of tournaments where guys had nicknames like, you know, Mojo Man and Dr. Uh, Dr. Pepper and the Helicopter Man. And, and even my big brother, Curtis, he had a name. He was called Pearly Gates. So it, <laughs> it, it really launched the dream, man, to want to be a, be a professional athlete watching these guys who, to me, were playground legends uh, do their thing out there on the court. Man, that's dope that you mentioned your brother. We're gonna to get to him because I got some questions about your brother too. I want to give him his his flowers as well. Um, 
you know, so describe how this movie came about, you know, because at first it's supposed to be a 30 minute documentary. Then it became a six year marathon. Like, did that take a toll in your family? Well, the, the way it started, it, it's really kind of like how it happened in the movie. You see Arthur playing against Isaiah. Well, I was already attending St. Joe's. I was, I was going to be enrolled that fall. Um, and interesting enough, after camp, because uh, I was at camp that day as well, Coach Pingator. Mm-hmm. Uh, introduced me to the guys and said, hey, I know you guys are doing this 30-minute documentary about how kids go from street ball to organized basketball. Well, hey, I got this kid coming all the way from Cabrini Green. You might want to have a conversation with him. Mm. And of course, we talked after camp and I was like, hey, I'm, I'm down with it, but you got to ask my brother, you got to ask my mom, you know, if they okay with it, we'll mm. move forward. And literally, uh, Daniel, um, Two days later, they was at my house, had that conversation, and we were shooting like four days later. It happened really that fast, just like that. Wow, that's crazy. I never knew that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> that's crazy. So it didn't take a toll on your family pretty much because everybody- Well, was- I'm going to say that it it did and it didn't. And what okay. I mean by that is when you when, when you first start something new, man, you're excited about it. You're moving along. You- Every, everything is moving smooth. But what happened is when the cameras are there almost every day or every other day, uh, you begin to lose that privacy that you used to have in your household. So probably more in the second year, uh, I think my mom and and, and, and my brothers and, and, and even I, you know, we got a little bit irritated, but uh, it's, it's interesting because when I get to my senior year and I head to the Nike camp, Mm-hmm. I was really glad that they was there because what it did was like, you gotta remember this was pre-social media. Yeah. So they was kind of like my first social media piece because everybody wanted to know who is this kid that got camera crews following him around. So I even think back then that started a trend, uh, not just about, you know, making hoop dreams, but everybody having their own version of what, you know, hoop dreams could be for them in terms of a film process. Mm, okay. So um, you, you faced a lot of pressure too as a player before and especially after that, that knee injury. So how did that experience as a player led you to how you coach your um, kids today? Well, I'll tell you this, you know, the pressure of the game and, and man, just speaking frank, um, coming from Cabrini, mm-hmm. I got to be honest with you, Daniel, I felt more pressure to fail than I did to go out there and hit a jump shot, go out there and, you know, score a bucket. To me, that was easy because the court was my safe haven. The basketball court gave me the peace that I needed. It allowed me to be free and escape the world that I was dealing with on a daily basis. So I felt more pressure, man, not to let my mom down, my brothers down, my sisters down, my neighborhood down. Like I wanted to be that hero. I wanted to be that champion for everybody. And what ended up happening was uh, when it didn't work out, it, it, it looks like a major letdown. So when I talk about how I coach my kids, but I wanted to make sure that they know that uh, the end game is not the NBA. The end game is you having a great successful life. Now, if, if God blesses you to play in the league, man, that, man, that's, that's top notch. But if not, you will not be defined by um, 
if you played or if you didn't play in the NBA. As a matter of fact, if they didn't play basketball at all, their lives were not going to be defined by the game of basketball only. I want to let them know that as my children, man, y'all are way more valuable than yeah. putting that round ball through a hoop. Yeah, I, I I know that. I did my research. So, um, cause you, like you coach kids and you say that we don't, we don't, we won't let you go. We won't lose you. We want to keep you forever. We want you to develop and stuff like that. Like a lot of programs don't do that. A lot of programs just, you know how it is, you know, in that, in that AAU circuit now it's crazier, you know, it's crazier than when you was playing back in the early nineties and stuff, you know, a lot yes, of, teams, yes. a lot of teams, a lot of trainers, they're not selfless. They're selfish. It's about, it's more so about the game getting right. the, um, no, I'm sorry. It's more so about the money. These trainers and these coaches be making off these players and actually getting these players better. Don't you agree? I do agree. I think, and unfortunately, it sets a bad precedent for the guys that are trying to do it right, because there's always that level of scrutiny. You know, you know, even even with me, you know, as 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 honest as I try to be, as straightforward as I try to be, there's still always that level of scrutiny. That yeah, but can I really believe you? You know, well, you know, are you really truthful about what you're trying to tell me right now? But no. but man, you you're, you're right on the money. It 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 it. It is about the power, the respect, the money, the gym shoe brand, who you connected with, who you know. Um, even to this day, people always say, yeah, but man, you know, where your kids going? Will you send kids to mid-major programs? I'm like, you say that like that's a that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, these kids are going to play college basketball for free. That's that's a major achievement in their life. That's money that their parents don't have to try to figure out to come up with. They kids get a ride to college, get a great education, and go live a great life. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> they make it make it seem like going mid major is is a death yes. sentence, you know. Right, right. right. <laughs> you know, it kind of, and that's funny that you that you brought that up because that was kind of that was kind of my my path with my family and stuff. You know, my brother, you went to St. John's University. Me, I never played in high school, not a minute. You know, and so when I got to junior college, I, I took the junior college route. And, and so with the pressure from my family and my friends, like, oh, man, you got to go to the league like your brother. You're having a good year, this, that, and other. When the league wasn't calling, you know, I just went overseas and played. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's really – it's really you're a refreshing dude, man, to, to the basketball um, to the basketball world. And I really appreciate having this uh, conversation with you. So um, let me ask you a question about Arthur Agee. Were, were y'all childhood friends or did the movie pay y'all together and y'all friendship grew? And all y'all friends today? A little bit, a little bit of both. Um, I knew Arthur in in uh, grade school. We used to play in the same grade school tournament, so okay. we knew of each other. But it wasn't until we got to St. Joe's together that uh, we really became friends. Really became boys. Where he became my dog, I became his dog, and um, and from there, man, we 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 we're bonded for life. Like you know, even like what's happening right now. No matter what I do or what he does, if I'm doing an interview, folks want to know what's going on with Ag. If yeah. I'm doing, if he's doing one, well, hey man, what's going on with Will? So uh, we are forever connected. And and the great thing about it is, man, uh, our friendship resembles that. We recognize that and, and we try to make sure uh, that we stay connected with each other and talk with each other. You know, and it's not as often as it probably should be, but we do catch up with each other. Yeah. That's awesome, man. That's awesome that y'all still friends today after all these years. That's that's a bond that, that nobody can ever ever break, man. So um, I wanna I wanna um touch touch on your brother for a little bit. Um, one message I learned from him that I carry with with me was, 
um, use basketball and don't let it use you. You know, what did that mean to you then at age 15? And what does it mean to you now, now that you coach kids? Because it's definitely two different, two different meanings. Two different when you're young. I, yeah. I tell you like this, man, when you were 15 year old, you, you, you remember this stage, man, you rebellious. Mm-hmm. People trying to tell you something that's good for you. And you ain't trying to hear it because, you know, your thing is you just want to hoop, you know, you want to do what you want to do. Exactly. So he, he and Curtis say that. Uh, it probably went in one ear and and and, and out the other, uh, because again, I'm 15. I, I just want man, I wanted to play ball. I didn't want to do all that that other stuff. But you're right. It, but it resonates so much now today, and so I try to give that same message in a different spin. You know, I don't necessarily say, hey, use basketball. You know, don't let it use you. What I try to tell them is, man, what are you getting out of basketball? Mm. What is basketball providing you? You know, yeah, you know you. You can bounce it as far as you can take it, but what is it providing you? What are you gonna do with it? Mm. You know, you know, you still gotta learn how to count some money. So what? So so what? What? What are you doing with the game of basketball? And and I and I try to take all those messages that man Curtis Curtis is giving me. Even like you know, in the movie we play him one on one. You know, and he tell me, hey, I'm gonna beat you. I'm gonna beat you up until you figure this thing out. <laughs> I recognize that, and I use that for my own experience with the kids that I coach and say, hey. Man, you got another one in you. Yeah. We ain't done yet. Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Are you pushing yourself right now? Are you getting the most out of our time right now? And even with my own boys, I remember they was like, hey, dad, man, can we go to the gym and work out? Yeah, we can go to the gym and work out. But if I got to wake you up, then we can't go to the gym and, and work out. Mm. You wake me up. You won't be there at 5 a.m.? I get up at 5 a.m. and get you there but you got to wake me up. So I take them same messages. I just try to deliver it, you know, differently now. Mm. Man, that's perfect. That's perfect, man. Um, So I, I still want to stay on your brother Curtis for a sec. I know that he's no longer here and, um, you know, rest in peace. I know it, it's, I, it's crazy that he passed away before the day before 9-11 happened. Yes. Um, those short, them short clips in the movie that he had when he was playing, man, like, I, re- I remember watching this with my brother when we was kids, man. We was like, yo, who that? Like, f- forget the other two now. <laughs> Who's this guy right here playing like playing like Charles Barkley, man? Like, um, describe his talent at the time. Because you said that he, he had a street boy name called Pearly Gates, which is, which is really awesome. I love that name, by the way. But take, take, take us to tell, tell us about his talent. First of all, man, Kurt was a beast. Yeah. I mean, he was beast mode before beast mode. I mean, I think a lot of people... They probably thought he was bigger than what he was, man. Kurt was 6'2", but Curtis' athleticism was off the chart. Mm -hmm. I mean, he could jump, he could run, he was quick, he was strong. And truthfully, man, you know what I said in the movie was true. When when Curtis was going to college and Jordan was coming into the league, man, people in the neighborhood used to sit around and say, man, who was better? Was was Jordan better than Curtis or was Kurt better than Jordan? I mean, he he was on that type of level. I mean... You know, I tell people when, when Kurt was in high school, man, as a freshman, this dude was averaging 30 points a game on varsity. I mean, he was just, he was, he was one of them, them ones you say, man, he got it. I don't know what the it is, but whatever the it is, he got it. Yeah. That that's Kurt. Kurt was next level. Like Kurt, Kurt legitimately, man. And I and I say this, and, and, and of course I'm not saying it just because he's not here. I've always felt this way about Curtis. Curtis was one of them guys, man, that should have been in the league, without a doubt. 
Yeah. And um, when, when, as his story was developing in the movie, that was kind of like how my story was all the talent in the world. I played power forward and center in my college, my, my, all my, my entire life. I never played guard or anything like that. And I'm six, three, six, four, but my playing weight was like 275. So I was pretty athletic, like him doing the dunks like that and everything. But like, you know, there was something that, that me and him had that we had the talent but the drive wasn't there. You know what I'm saying? The attitude, like I had the, I had the attitude issues too, getting into it with coaches and stuff like that. Like, like you just wish that he had, you know, you know, more, more focus or maybe like a mentor, an older mentor to really, you know, hone him, hone him in and keep him and, and keep him ready to go. Because like, I kind of feel like that was one of the all time great talents that was, that was lost in basketball too, as mm-hmm. well. And, um, you know, my brother played in Chicago, um, you know, I was in Chicago too, and I asked questions to to all the older heads that was out there and stuff like that, and they had to pretty much said the same thing and everything. You know, like so it was just like I'm not going to say I'm not going to say a, a a wasted talent. I kind of say that it was more of like um, it was a lost talent. Yeah, you lost know, talent and was, no no leadership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I agree with you. I think I think I think that was the difference between the time that he played and the time that I was coming up is that. Um, the mentorship level wasn't at the same in the same place that it is of today. I mean, you got to remember that the guys that played before my brother, um, like even even for me, when I was coming up, man, I really didn't know all that much about recruiting, college. Uh, all I knew was I remember waking up on Saturday morning, CBS, and watching Georgetown Hoyas play in them Hoya gym shoes. I just wanted to go to Georgetown because they had the Hoyas on. I was like, man, that's what you get when you go to college? I want to play ball so I can go there and get those. So, you know, so if that was my thinking, I can only imagine what Curtis was thinking, especially when it came to recruiting, especially when it came to um, um, trying to develop as a person. Because, you know, we grew up in a single parent household. Um, my mom did the best that she could. She did an amazing job, mm. but there's still things that you need a male leadership to kind of provide for you in terms of direction and focus. And, and many times, uh, I hate to say it this way, but you can't always get it from, um, a white coach, you know, sometimes he can say some things, but it may not resonate the same, um, like how you look at the Iverson story. Man, look look at the impact that John Thompson had on him. I don't know if his story ends the same if he's someplace else and it's not John Thompson. I just think he was missing that type of male leadership in his life. And again, man, we're talking about Curtis graduated high school in 1983. I mean, he's a few years. I mean, White Shadow was still like, you know, the basketball program that was on TV. So I just think that I agree with you. He didn't have the right male mentorship to kind of help hone in all of his talents and skills with the right attitude to approach the game. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. But he loved him some William, though, man. You know, um, <laughs> it was. I feel like I feel like me and you is the same coming up with the brothers like that, man. You know, um, <laughs> you know. But I was a little bit stronger than Ron. So when Ron used to get out of line. I used to wrestle him down on the floor and stuff like that. And tell him to stop, man. Listen, I get it. You you run our tests and stuff like that. You just got seen on TV. I'm worse than you. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> nah, but um. 
like take us through those emotions when you graduated high school and y'all embraced because you know it was a really emotional moment because you said that getting the grades to get into Marquette at that time was like him getting into Marquette. He had that he lived like vicariously through you. So take us through that that time. Yeah, it was it was important. I mean, uh, when I when I was choosing you know my schools to go to for college, you know mm-hmm. Marquette was there, um, Kansas, Michigan State, Indiana. Um, Marquette leaped ahead simply because Curtis had actually committed to go play at Marquette. Mm. And because of his grades in Prop 48, he wasn't able to go. So then he went the junior college route. So I felt like, you know, going to Marquette would accomplish two things in one. I'm going to go play high major basketball. Uh, It's 90 miles up the road. So I'm an hour and a half away from my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. And I get to my brother would get to see me with that Marquette jersey on that should have been his Marquette jersey as well. So, man, it it it, it was such a phenomenal feeling to yeah. to to do that for him. And I know a lot of people say, man, your brother living through you. That's crazy. That's crazy. That's crazy. But the truth is, man, you people don't recognize how much support you need from your family. So oftentimes, not only was Curtis living through me, but I was living through him. Yeah. I, you know, I see kids do it all the time. Anytime you, you know, when you thought that you was Doc or you thought you was Jordan or you thought whoever the athlete was, you th- you're living through that person. So watching Curtis play, many times when I was out there on the basketball court, man, I, I, I honed in on how he thought about the situation and I and I applied that and played that way. So mm. we it was it was vice versa. He lived through me and I lived through him. Man, that's 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 dope, man. That's dope. And I wanted to get those questions about about Curtis because you know we see him in the movie, everybody see him, but nobody never heard of heard his story. Nobody really knows about because them clips was just so short. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? And everything else about him was like it was kind of like you know like sad part or whatever. You know what I'm saying? So I'm glad that we was able to you know have these questions about him real quick to just you know show him that hey, like this dude was an amazing basketball player, an amazing brother too as well. And my brother used to live vicariously through me. It's funny. He always wanted to play professional at the same time I did. You know, like we did an article with Newsday in New York City. Um, and he he said to the reporter that I want to play with him, you know what I mean, when my days is over, whatever. So he goes to China to play. I go play in China, but we play on different teams. <laughs> we played on different teams. Man. Close, close. It was there, though. Yeah, it, it, was, was, there. it was there. Because back, like, back in those days, like, because you, like you said, when Curtis was coming up, and Michael Jordan was coming up, y'all was like, hey, who's the better player? So, you know, like when I was, when Ron was on the Pacers and stuff, and I used to have like my way with their team and they opened gyms and stuff like that. So wow. it was it was kind of like the same thing. Cause I was really strong and athletic, like a like a Zion Williamson with like, I'll say like 10 inches left left on the vertical. You know what I'm saying? Less on the vertical and stuff like that. <laughs> you you less, know? <laughs> yeah. my, my, my college coach was um Jerry Tarkanian's son. And then Jerry Tarkanian, came to my practice was like, hey, you play like Larry Johnson. And so I was like, oh, snap, I got super big headed about that. So that's right, I can that's right. take you in the post, right. take you outside and stuff like that. So um, I just wanted to, you know, just give my thanks, you know what I mean, to you to, and, and also, you know, thank your brother, you know what I'm saying, for for just like, you know, loving the game, man. You know what I'm saying? So that's all I wanted to do. But um, yeah, moving on, um, there was a moment in the movie as well when you said, when you get to the NBA, quote this, uh, quote, um, when you get to the NBA, don't forget about me and all that stuff. And I, and I should say, well, if I don't make it, you don't forget about me. And here we are over 25 years later and you're not forgotten. Like, how does that make you feel 
especially when there's so many great players who are forgotten? Well, I'll tell you this, man. Um, it's always better to, to be remembered than forgotten. That's that's yes, for sir. one. Uh, but I also look at it as a as a responsibility. Uh, I don't take it lightly. Mm. I know that Arthur and I, man, um, what Hoop Dreams represent because it 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 went beyond basketball. Um, we're still seen as those two guys that represent. Uh, I don't want to say a standard, but represent a mold now more than anything that mm -hmm. hey we all kind of confine ourselves in their stories because our stories are on one level or another many people's stories so i don't take it lightly i'm grateful that hoop dream still has the impact that it has right now i'm grateful that uh art and i uh have the opportunity man to still connect and stay connected to the game mm -hmm. of basketball stay connected to young people who want to live out their hoop dreams now uh, because there is so much that we can offer and provide and and share and 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 then being able to connect with others who are doing it as well because we can't do it alone. I mean, it's, it ain't just us, but the mere fact that uh, Hoop Dream still has a presence, man, it's it's phenomenal. It's like you say, here we are, 25 years later, and it still seemed, at least to me, like it was just yesterday, man. It 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 feels that way because every time I see the ball bounce. It takes me right back to when I was a 14-year-old kid. Oh, man, that kid kind of reminded me of myself. Oh, mm -hmm. man, that kid reminds me of so-and-so. I mean, you you go back there. Yeah. Yeah, you dunking at, at 14, 13 years old and everything. <laughs> um, Yeah, that's another question I wanted to ask you. What was, how tall are you? And um, how tall, what was your height and weight at that time? Man, believe me, when I first got to St. Joe's, I was five foot five inches, and I probably weighed about 160 pounds. I didn't grow to about my junior year. I finally got six feet and I and I stopped at six feet. Now, here's what's interesting. I stopped at six feet. You know, I just had two knee replacement surgeries and I was and I was a bow-legged player. Yeah. Uh, man, I, I didn't gain an inch and a half. So I'm like six feet, one inches and a half right now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, if you... Let's just say today, because you know, with, with all the technology and everything in the medicine today, how would you come back? Would you come back stronger from that from that knee injury that, that you had? Yeah, I think I think with all the advancements in technology, I mean, even even you see what happens from the time I had the first surgery to what happened in the second surgery, yeah. uh, my return was a lot quicker. I think um, better information, better technology. Yeah, I mean, I would have been back stronger, yeah. quicker. Um, and and I think it I think it probably would have preserved my confidence because mm -hmm. I think what happened to me uh, was not so much just the mere fact that I, I I had the surgeries, but I lost a lot of confidence in my game because one of the things that you know I probably took for granted playing was I had gotten so good that. Mm -hmm. um, I could show up and play anywhere at any time. But when you have an injury and you stop playing because you're not playing every day anymore, you're not getting better every day anymore, your game slowed down. So when I was going to go play against guys, man, they seemed quicker than me. They seemed faster than me. Yeah. I couldn't get the right lift on my jump shot. I couldn't find my timing. And I didn't know how to put those pieces back together. And, you know, and no matter what people were saying, hey, Will, you could do it, man. Hang in there. Be strong. Be tough. It was different 
when you were out there on the basketball court with the basketball and the expectations were still here, mm -hmm. but my, but my confidence was shrinking more and more mm. every time I stepped out there on the basketball court. So it, it took a minute for me to kind of reestablish, you know, man, I could still play this game. Yeah, because back then the doctors and everybody, they look at a knee injury like it was a wrap, like it was over yes. after that, you know what I'm saying? So that's what it was yes. too, you know, now, yes. now it's just like, okay, you can come back from it, see you in a year or so, or something like that, you know? Um, yeah, Easy. So, Easy. yeah, exactly. <laughs> But yeah, this, this, this film, you know, the impact it has is widely known as the greatest documentary of all time in film history. That's the stuff that I read, that's stuff that I that I say it myself. That's the truth for many other basketball um documentaries I have. But yeah, listen, this is like your life unfolding. This is you chasing the dream, right? It didn't happen. It must have been a, a bittersweet moment because you're a part of something amazing, like you know, having this film, but at the same time. The story isn't scripted. Everybody's seen you at your most vulnerable and everything as well. So, um, you know, take a, take us through that. It is. I, I think that's probably, as crazy as this may sound, one of the many reasons why I don't watch Hoop Dreams. Mm. <laughs> because in many cases, it is a reminder of what didn't happen. Yeah. Um, uh, when it's shown and I'll go give a talk, yeah, you know, I, I, I love that aspect of, 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 of promoting and and and, and um, trying to be an influence in, in younger athletes' lives. But it is, it's, it's a bittersweet pill on many levels too, man. And not just from the, the basketball aspect, but also from the mere fact, man, it's, it, that's the only place I get to hear Curtis' voice too, you mm. know, is, is there. So, you know, man, I, I I think about all the time that has passed. You know, here we are celebrating 25 years, but 20 of them, Curtis has been gone. Yeah. So, you know, it's 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 that that piece of it that, you know, I, I go like, man, how different would things be right now? Not just me personally, his kids' life, uh, you know, you know, he has grandkids now that he has never met. So, mm -hmm. you know, you 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 just think about how things would have been different and who things. You know, like you said, because it is our lives, it's also a personal reminder of um, the lack in our lives as well. Mm, mm. And that's powerful right there, man. That's powerful. And it, it looked like at the end of your high school career, like you was just fed up with your coach, man. And <laughs> you know what? He had a lot of strange comments about you, you know? Yeah, um, yeah. Like he was saying, he was saying some wild stuff. Even at the end, I think like when you left, like the final, the final scene when you finally left him, and then he was like, another one goes, another one comes back in, and stuff like that. Then he was questioning like your your heart, commitment to the game, and stuff like that. But um, when you look back, do you appreciate the time you you had with the uh, uh, coach Pingator? Yeah, I do, man. I I've always said this on the record and off the record. Uh, coach Pingator, to this day, man, is probably the coach that I've learned the most from probably the greatest basketball coach I've ever had. Mm. Um, when I left St. Joe's, I was college ready, without a doubt. I mean, man, I was, when I went to Marquette, man, I I knew I was ready to go in there and play right away. Like, you didn't have to teach me, you know, man-to-man -man defense. You didn't have to teach me, you know, what's positioning. I knew all that stuff. I, I understood, you know, who got the hot hand. Let's get him the ball. I understood if you're missing the defensive assignment and where every guy should be and, if a guy didn't know the play, I was the guy that, hey, man, you supposed to be in that corner. You know, I, I got that from him. 
plan four years for him. Now, at the same time, uh, again, this is just going back when you're a teenager. Tell me a teenager, man, who gets along, you know, all the time with their parents, a teenager who gets along all the time with their coaches. That's that rebellious stage. And mm. when you're being yelled at and, 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 and even though he's trying to motivate and build you up, there's still a personal side because I think every coach needs to understand every single player that they have. My, my coaching style, how I needed to be coached, just tell me. Yeah. I, I didn't wake up in the morning preparing to lose. I wake up in the morning preparing to win. So yeah. just tell me and I'll do it. Mm. But you ain't gotta, you ain't gotta jump all on me to get me to do it. When you do that, it put me in that defensive mode. And it probably has a lot to do with the fact, you know, the community I grew up with, we was always in the protection mode. You know, when somebody yeah. came at you, that was seen more as a threat than trying to motivate you or encourage you. So I carry that and probably still carry it to this day. Mm. But, um, and, and, and that's why I coach differently. I try to understand my players, their background and what they're doing, because if I'm going to get the best out of them, I can't coach player A like I coach player C, you know. Mm. Player C probably loves the get on me coach I needed. I mean, I've even had guys come up to me and tell me, hey, coach, man, I just need you to get on me a little bit harder. I got you. <laughs> I got you. But then I had guys come and say, hey, coach, man, just tell me. I got it. So I know that guy, man, if I just tell him, he's going to do it. Like, you know, my, my middle son, you know, people ask me, you know, what's the difference between your two boys? Well, my older boy, he was always in a place where he didn't want to disappoint me. So I had to coach him differently. I had to let him know, hey, man, it ain't about disappointing dad. Play the best you can play. Yeah. We'll work from there. My middle son, his thing was always about impressing dad. So he couldn't do enough. I was like, hey, man, slow down. <laughs> you ain't got to get it all done in a day. So you, you got to know every player's coaching style, what they can take, what they can't take. And don't get me wrong. Is there, is there like a standard rap sheet? Yeah. You won't, you won't know that day one. So you're going to go through, you know, figuring it out phase. But, but you got to figure it out for these guys to make them successful. And Coach Ping, uh, as great as he was, he had one style, and his style was, you know, was Bobby Knightish. Yeah, you know, yeah. that's the only way he did it. Yeah, and yeah, that's crazy that you was like a four-year starter, right? Yes. And Isaiah Thomas, the the great Isaiah Thomas, he's yeah. in my top ten of all-time players. He wasn't a four-year starter. That's crazy. Like that's crazy, actually, yeah, yeah. when you really think about it, man. <laughs> it, it is crazy. It is crazy. Which, which we didn't even talk about that. The mere fact that. I was a four-year starter, and I remember even going to St. Joe's, man, because, you know, he came from the inner city. Mm -hmm. I'm from the inner city. You know, you know, everybody's calling me the next Isaiah Thomas. You know, it's like, man, you know, you got to carry that with you. You know, it's like, yeah. you know, everybody just knew, man, we were going to Indiana, just like Isaiah went to Indiana. Oh, we, we, were, we were completely, totally different players, man. Yeah. Isaiah was that scoring point guard. Well, I was just a straight-up two-guard. I yeah. just wanted to put the ball in the basket. That was my thing. I, I, like, I remember I used to tell my point guards, man, I don't need you dribbling past half court. Just throw, throw it up to me. I'll take it from there. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny, man. That's, 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 that's cool to have that, to have that, you know, distinction with Isaiah Thomas, man. But also that expectations, man, is crazy too. You know, like I went to the same high school my brother went to for one semester. Um, after year, right after. Now, who, who, who's older? You, you or Ron? 
Oh, Ron's older than me, but we got the same birthday. But I'm thirty. We just our birthday was just this past Friday. I'm thirty eight. He's forty one. Oh man, happy birthday! Happy yeah, thank birthday. you, man. Appreciate that. So, like, when he won the city championship in ninety seven, I come in in the fall of ninety seven as a freshman at the same high school that he just left, and like those expectations was crazy. So I understand, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, they they want to win a state championship. Uh, LaSalle just won the state. They didn't win state, but they won the city championship. They went 27 and one. They finished Ooh. the season before they went to state. The only Catholic school to go undefeated to win the city before LaSalle was Kareem, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <clears throat> wow. At Luau Sunday. Wow. So, you know, you got to answer that. And, you know what I'm saying? I, I, I couldn't take it because it was just it was just too much, man. And that kind of set me on the um on the wrong path, man. But, you know, you had you you fought you, you, you fought through that. And, you know, you played four years, even though, like, it probably didn't turn out the way that you wanted. And, um. I segue into that because at the end of the movie, you looked exhausted, exhausted mentally. Like you said that you was, you would be happy if you even stopped playing basketball. And, yeah. you know, after playing the game most of your life off the pure joy, what was the point or the straw that broke the camel's back to the point where you'd be happy without the game? I think, I think what broke it was that piece that I could never get back to being the same player that I once was. Hmm. Because he did, the player that I was, that Will Gates, and I'm talking like it's a different person, but that Will Gates was in control of everything that I wanted to do on the basketball court. Because remember I told you the basketball court was my safe haven. That was, that was the place where I could lose myself and where I felt complete control of everything that I wanted to be. Well, I felt like when the injury happened, that safe haven was destroyed, was rocked. So the thing that I was leaning on the most it no longer gave me um, the confidence, the strength, uh, the support I needed uh, when I was out there on the basketball court. So not only now am I having a struggle outside of basketball, I'm having a struggle inside of basketball. Mm. And that really began to just tear at me mentally and emotionally. Um, so it, it, and it really wasn't until I kind of got to Marquette, um, you know, in the middle of my freshman year where I began to say, you know what, I got to rediscover the passion for this game. You know, I don't know if I'll play in the NBA or not, but I, I got I to gotta get back to why I love this game. And I did. I got to the point where I figured out, you know what, maybe I'm not going to be able to score as much as I used to or like to, but let me figure out how to get on this basketball court. And that's what I did. I figured out how to get on the basketball court. I said, one thing I know I can do, I said, I can guard somebody. Yeah. <laughs> and that kept me on the basketball court. <laughs> so um, after Marquette, did you just play overseas or um, did you play pro overseas or pro in the States? You know, it's interesting, man. I This is probably one of the, the greatest regrets in my life. I did not go play any more basketball after that. Now, mm. and, and I had, I want to say a legitimate excuse, but to me, sometimes excuses are excuses. But when when I left Marquette, Hoop Dreams was at an all-time high. So I'm traveling the world, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking, I'm, I'm doing TV shows, um, acting in them, not acting. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm doing everything, you know, rewardingly outside of basketball. So yeah. at that point in my mind, I felt like I really didn't need basketball anymore to quote unquote make a living. I was, I was making a living outside of basketball. Uh, but the biggest regret came in is that, man, I, I remember Magic Johnson, he used to host 
the summer league before they, the NBA had their summer leagues. Yeah. Yep. And man, Magic sent me a full ride. Everything's like, hey, Will, come on out. You're going to play on the summer league team. I'm covering your room, your food, your plane, everything. <laughs> and I didn't go, man. Oh, man. I didn't go. And I, and I, and I kicked myself for that because one of the things that I, to me, and this is what I also teach the kids, um, don't let fear cheat you out of life. Mm. And I cheated myself at that moment. And it wasn't until I turned 26 that I said, hey, man, I mean, 29, I said, hey, let me see, let me go back and see if I can play this game again. Mm -hmm. and, it, and it took me all that time from the time I left Marquette to the time I turned 29, you know, you leave school, you're 22. It took me literally, man, seven years to say, man, I love this game. Yeah. Let me go play. Yeah. And then I went for it. The, mm. the issue became was that I was just at that point, I was just kind of too old. Yeah. At 29. And I even I remember I had GMs telling me, saying, Well, if you was 26, psh, signing you right now. Mm. And I mean, and that was even more crushing to hear, you know, a GM tell you that, you know, if you're 26, you in the league, you know, mm. but I was 29. You know, man, that's tough. I know that's that's tough. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, man. I I see that you 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 do have a son. Um, I didn't know you had two boys, but I know you had uh, one Actually, that I got played three, three boys. Oh, okay, wow, I got four. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I was talking about the one that played D one at Furman, and then he went to Houston. Yes. How, how's he doing? Actually, Will Jr. is doing well, man. You know, he finished up there. He's he's been down with school about two and a half years. Um. Kind of suffered some of the same things I did, man. Had some knee, some knee issues. He had some surgeries too. Mm. So he just decided, you know what, basketball was just not going to be for him. So he's working, man, um, doing his thing. You know, he's he's 25, you know, yeah. he's, he's he's living that 25-year-old life right now. Just went out and bought his first car. So he, he's 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 living that kind of life. But um but same, same, almost similar story, man, just in his short career, you know, four knee surgeries. And that's, that's oh, wow. tough on a kid too. So. Yeah. Cause I know that he had dealt with the same expectations cause he went to St. Joseph too as well. So how yeah. did you navigate him through that process and how did it make you feel, you know, as a father, when he left that y'all went down to Texas and then, right. you know, he blossomed as a player. Cause I know that at the high school that he went to, he was averaging like close to 24 points a game. They um went all the way to the States for like the first time in like 20 like years or something like that. I did my research, man. I did my research. I you see, know I, mean? I see, I see. <laughs> I think, I think, I think um, early on, it, it's very similar. I remember him on his first day of school and man, he came home. He's like, dad, this kid in my classroom was like, man, you ain't gonna never be as good as your dad. You know, he was, he was, he had to navigate and channel all that stuff. And I think he did a great job with it. You know, and I should tell him, cause he said, dad, what should I say? I say, man, you all, this is what you always tell anybody. And they tell you, you ain't gonna be as good as your dad. You tell them my goal is not to be as good as my dad. My goal is to be better than my dad. I said, that's what you do, son. Never let nobody back you in a corner of your greatness. I said, that's gonna make you look down on who you are and what you're capable of doing. Not just from the standpoint of basketball, but life itself. Mm -hmm. Never let nobody back your greatness down. So. Uh, man, he went in there and he handled his business, man. He he played 
uh, freshman, I mean, JV ball his first freshman year, and then he went straight to varsity after that. So, yeah, uh, I, I was proud of him. I was proud of him, man. And, you know, and and again, you know, a lot of people say, "Why did you send your son to St. Joe's?" Well, because of the values that I got. Yeah. You know, Ping Ping was the greatest coach that I've ever had, and and I felt like this: if my son can get them fundamental skills, he'll be able to go play basketball anywhere. You know, he wants to. And yes. he got him to college. Hmm. Got him to college. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, at the end of the day, he wins. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And and, he, and to me, he did something amazing. Most times when a kid leaves, let's say, you know, a kid leaves a mid-major, they don't get to go to another high mid-major. Yeah. He did. He went from one mid-major to another mid-major. Most times you got to go D2 or you got to go D3. Yeah, you know, you see, you even see a lot of D one players when they leave. They go down. You know, their their D program, they got to go to a mid major. Yep. You know, so you know he did he did some really special things, you know, but my middle boy, that joker there, man, he was a terror out there. He he played at HBU too. Okay. Did did his thing, man. Unfortunately, he fell into the to the the COVID. You know, he had some opportunities to go play overseas, but. And he still may do it, you know, kind of once this COVID thing kind of gets some whatever normalcy about itself. But, 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 but I say this about Jalen, that joke is Steph Curryish, man. That joke, <laughs> that joke will pull up from half court on you. Find some film on him, man, when you get a chance. That joke pulls up from half court. All right. I mean, the, <laughs> I'll definitely check them out. Um, yeah, just tell them don't give up, man. The COVID is this is ain't gonna last forever. You know, what I mean, a lot of players are home. You know, what I'm saying just figure out what 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 you can get better at, and then you know hit the hit the ground running and stuff. So, um, I want to talk about that. You met Michael Jordan. You know, I know that must have been a, a cool feeling to hoop with, with Jordan to help him make his comeback in those early 2000s and stuff. So, how how did that come that opportunity come about? It was interesting. This was at again at the point where I was making the decision to go back and play. Yeah. And I was working out, man, and I was talking with my trainer, and I was just like, man, I'm not, I'm not, I need, I need to play against better competition because everybody I was playing against, I was, I was killing them. I mean, I don't have another word for it, but I was killing them. And so, man, I, I literally, man, I went home and prayed and said, Lord, I need better competition. Then the next day, man, I get a call from Michael Jordan trainer. I mean, the next day. I didn't even know he had my phone number. I get a call the next day from Michael Jordan trainer saying, hey, Will, man, um, we got some guys over here hooping, you know, about one o'clock. If you're interesting, come over and play because I hear that you're trying to make a comeback. It's like, yeah. So I go over there, man. I walk in. <laughs> I look up, man. It's the whole 1990, 91 Bulls championship team. I'm like... <laughs> I'm like, all right. So, and of course, because it was early on, guys were still playing in college. You know, the NCAA tournament had just started. Yeah. Uh, NBA uh, playoffs hadn't started yet. So as we kept going on, the guys who were losing at the tournament, they started coming back home. And and then the guys who, was, who didn't make the playoffs, they started showing up. Or mm -hmm. when the playoffs was over for them, they started showing up. Before I know it, man, I'm like, I'm in this world of NBA cats that I'm like, wow, you don't get no better than this. Yeah. You are at the pinnacle of where <laughs> you need to be. You're going to find out if it's in you or not. Mm. And I kid you not, man, I discovered one thing. I discovered that I was good enough to play. Mm. 
And unfortunately, uh, I got I got the invite to go join in the Wizards, man. And I fractured my foot the day before I was to go. Oh so, man! So you know, of course, you know another injury, but I didn't give up, man. I went and 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 had a a, a a tryout with the Bulls. And what was interesting was this was unfortunately this was the time when Jay Will had got hurt. Mm. So I um, I went in and man did extremely well. Played hard, got invited because they was like, well, Will, we got a lot of contracts, but we love to keep you on, you know, our practice squad. Mm. Man, I got home, man, and had a very high fever, couldn't couldn't get back the next day kind of stuff. And so at that point, I kind of knew that God was asking me to do some different things with my life. So that's when the transition happened for me from, from going for sports to transitioning into ministry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because you are you was a pastor for a second um until you you moved down to um San Antonio. Or are you still a pastor today? Well, I don't pastor, I but I still preach yeah, you. Still, yeah. Okay, cool, 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 man. Um, final question, man. So um you're probably gonna say no, but I gotta ask it anyway. Um <laughs> did you at any point ever regret it being a part of this film? And what advice you have for young players listening to this podcast? I would say this, man, I, I, I never regretted being a part of, um, of, of Hoop Dreams. Uh, as a matter of fact, I've always appreciated it from this standpoint. Here I am, man, I'm talking to Daniel Artest 25 years later. That's because of Hoop Dreams. Mm. It, 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 it is the greatest successful things that kind of happened in my life um, have been because of Hoop Dreams. Mm. And, and not to say that I wouldn't be successful without it, but the doors that Hoop Dreams opened, probably I had would not been able to walk in them unless it was because of Hoop Dreams. So I never want to deny uh, what Hoop Dreams has done for me and, and for my family, man. It is, man, it, it's changed our lives. Mm. Um, what I've always tried to tell young people is simply this, man. You know, I always, I always give this story and the story that I tell people is about, you know, the master and the student. And then one day the student was at, you know, the, the point where he was going to get his final strike. And the master said, well, but I got one more test for you. I want you to carry this log and take it to the other side of the forest. And when you get to the other side of the forest, uh, your metal will be there waiting on you. Mm. So the student, as he was carrying the log through the forest, man, he was falling and he was struggling. The log began to get heavier and heavier. And along the way, he passed a wood cutting shop. He said, well, I'll just cut a little off of it, you know, to lighten my load. And he cut it, put it on there. He felt reinvigorated. He felt stronger. He put it back up on the shoulder and began to walk throughout the forest, finally reaching the point of his destination. Mm -hmm. But where he was at, at the point of his destination and to getting the, the, the so much desired trophy was a pond of water that separated him. He says, oh, I'll lay my log down so I can walk across. Mm. Unfortunately for him, where he cut it off at, it was that short of a gap. So he could not cross over to mm. get his prize. And what I always tell young folks today, whether they're going for basketball or whatever the sport is or whatever you're doing like, don't cut yourself short. Mm. Follow through on everything. It doesn't matter. Uh, how heavy it gets, how strong it gets, don't take the easy route. 
finish the thing because you the reward that you've been working for, man, it's it's more defeating to get there to see it and not participate in it than it is to just go through the struggle to get there. Because when you get there, man, the reward of actually seeing the results of it yeah. far outweigh cheating, cutting it, um, cutting yourself short. So that's why I always tell the young people, man, and I hope for your, your young listeners, listen, don't cut yourself short. Follow through on life. Follow through on your plan. And what I mean by that is, hey, if you're going to get up in the gym and go work out, if you're a great jump shot shooter, don't just shoot 5,000 jump shots. Then work on your ball handling because obviously you're a great jump shot shooter, but can't you handle the basketball? Yeah. If you are, if you can handle the basketball, but you can't shoot, don't be in the gym for two hours doing nothing but dribbling drills. Get some shots up. You know, you, you, you got to, yes, you keep what you do great. You keep it great. But at the same time, the things that you ain't great at, fix it. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir, man. Um, I got actually one more question. So what if, you know, William Gates didn't get injured? You know, he goes downstate versus Arthur Agee. How would oh, that happen? Crushed him. <laughs> we would have crushed them, first of all. We would have we crushed them because, you know, you know, a lot of times folks don't recognize this, man. My St. Joe's teams, first of all, my four years at St. Joe's, man, I think I lost 12 games total in four years. I mean, you know, I, I played with some great players, McDonald's All-Americans at St. Joe's. I remember my, my freshman year when I got there, man, I had never seen height like that in my life. I mean, the 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 front court was 6'8", six, seven, six, five. I was like, <laughs> what is this? So, you know, if we would have got that, and even, even my senior year, um, going that way, I had a McDonald's All-American on my team. I had two All-Staters already on, I mean, my mm. junior year. No, it was my senior year. Two All-Staters already on that team that went high major D1. I mean, we were, we were locked wow. and loaded. And so we, we, it wouldn't have been no more. It wouldn't have been no giant killers that year for us. Ah, I like that. <laughs> we, would have, we would have won that one. Man. We would have won that one. Mm. But it would have been a great game. His was interesting too, man. I remember when um, I was in Marquette. We almost had one other opportunity to play. We had made the tournament. Mm. They had lost their championship game in their conference, so we ended up playing the champions from their conference in the first round of the NCAA <sighs> tournament. So we almost had another opportunity. To play against each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's crazy, man. That's yeah. crazy, man. <laughs> well, th thank you, man, for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate you so much, man, for for uh, giving me, you know, your time and stuff and opportunity to uh, interview you. Hey, can I give a shameless plug real quick? Yeah, I was just about to ask you to do that, too. <laughs> hey, listen, man, you know, I got this clothing line, man, called HD22. Um well, folks, go check it out, man. You can check it out at hd-22.com. Go check it out, man. It also not only uh, what we do with it, man, we always take a percentage of our sales, man, just to help the young people out as well, too. So we got everything on there from hats to hoodies, uh, sweaters, joggers, you see, T-shirts, Space Jam things. We, we got it all, man. So uh, what I want to do for you, for your people Daniel, what I'm going to do is, man, if they go in and put in, I actually kind of like that. Uh, I'm going to call it DAP, D-A-P, for Dan Artaz Podcast. If they put in DAP, DAP, they get 10% off, man, for today. Man. So 
you folks go and do it, man. All they got to put in is DAP. It'll be all caps. They put all in right. DAP, that's that. They get 10% off. All right, man. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, man. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Are you also on social media? You want to plug your social media pages in? Yes, I am um, on all social medias, Hoop22Dreams. Um, you can catch me on that at um, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, Hoop22Dreams. That's that's me. All right. So uh, get on there, check me out. And I, I'm not one of them guys that you follow me. I don't follow you back. I'll, I'll follow you back. I hate Man, we all we all the same people. You follow me, I'll follow you. That's how it goes. <laughs> exactly, exactly, man. But thank you for coming on the show, man. Um, y'all know y'all can follow me at the Daniel Artes Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Also, I got Facebook, uh, the, the Daniel Artes Podcast. You can search and hit the group. We got 2,800 members in there as well. Um, also follow me at 265 Media. That's the podcast media group I created for small podcasters such as myself. And um brother gates man thank you for coming on to the show man love is love man and um yeah i hope I, we could talk again about something else man i know the nba yes, is sir. coming back soon and stuff and i know you know I, I i know that you you you're excited about the nba season and stuff man um yeah absolutely we, yeah definitely would love to have you on the show again brother man anytime anytime peace all right brother love